welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are concluding our series called Suit Up, where we've dealt with the armor of God. I have thoroughly enjoyed this series, and before I go any further, I want to welcome all the campuses that are watching on video. I want to welcome those that are watching on the internet, Uh, also those that are watching on TV. We put this out on TV, and you're not watching this by chance. Uh, We're glad that you're watching this. We hear from people all the time that have uh, watched the service, and we're glad that you're watching. But here at church here, we're talking about Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 18, and I want to read the text that we've used for the whole series. I'm going to read the whole thing because this is our last day with it, and then we're going to look at our final uh, weapon that is available to us for warfare. So in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing this. We know from our previous sermons that uh, he's writing this. He is uh, chained to a Roman soldier. About two years is the process. He's been chained to him, so he has a good view of all the armor that a Roman soldier has. And so the Apostle Paul takes this view and the analogy of the armor and says that we have spiritual armor for the battle that we're facing. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert And always keep on praying for all the saints. So that's been our text throughout this series. And as a matter of a short review, just let me say that some of the things that have stood out to me is that we are commanded to be strong. In the text here, it says there's going to be an evil day. There's going to be a day that the enemy is going to attack us. And we've been commanded to be strong, that we have been infused with God's supernatural strength, and we should be bold. We should be strong. And it says that we should be strong in the Lord. 
And I thank the Lord that we understand that it's not in our own strength that we're strong, but it's in his strength that we're strong. And he gives us the strength. We can stand in confidence knowing that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're confident, we're strong, we're bold. We are looking the enemy eyeball to eyeball. And if you remember in the series I talk about back when Mike Tyson was champ and he used to just stare at the enemy and wouldn't take his eyes off and wouldn't move his eyes and he'd just lock in and he'd say, I'm gonna destroy this person. And you'd watch him fight and you'd just look at his eyes and you couldn't believe how much he was focused. And I said, that's how bold we should be as followers of Jesus Christ. We are looking at the enemy. We know that he's powerful, but we know that what we have in us is more powerful than anything he has and we are not backing down. We are no longer going to be wimpy Christians. We're going to be bold, strong Christians fighting in the power of the Lord. And all the strong Christians said, amen, right? And everybody's like, amen, that's good, pastor, good job. All right, yeah. No more wimpy Christians. We are strong. We're a strong church. And we talked about whoever fights the hardest is going to win in this. This is a battle to the death, and the enemy wants to destroy you, and you want to move forward, destroying the works of darkness and moving the kingdom of God forward. And we talked about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That is serious power, and that's what we're working with, and that's why we're so confident. That's why we're bold. It's not arrogance because we know we're not that good, but we know that God is great, and he's the one that is backing up everything that we're doing spiritually. Now, As I was thinking about how to wrap this up, I thought one of the things I want to make sure you know is how you put the armor of God on, how you get it in your life. How is it available to you? Because um, you don't have to go through like a a pre-armor ritual in the morning. How many know what I'm talking about? You don't have to sit there and wake up every day. Okay, helmet of salvation, you know, and you don't have to pantomime or put it on and do that. And I did have uh, one Bible college professor, uh, he was our health and phi ed teacher, he used to have a stretch and he used to say like, okay, everybody, shield of faith, everybody do your stretch, shield of faith, belt of truth, belt of, I mean, I was just like, seriously, are you kidding me? That's like really cheesy, all right? But I do remember it. But anyways, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. That is not putting the armor of God on you, Okay. The way that you put the armor of God on you is the fact that the armor is yours already. It's there for you. Jesus has secured the victory. The armor is yours. You don't have to mimic. You don't have to pantomime. You don't have to do that. The way that the armor of God is on your life is by living a holy, dedicated life to the Lord. And as you follow him in holiness, as you are dedicated to him, and as you start to apply what the word of God says to your life, that is how you put the armor on. Again, not a pantomime thing, not a thing like, oh, I forgot this, I forgot that. As you live it out, that armor is there, it is in place, and these are weapons that you should use in your mind to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have this, the truth of God's word, the belt of truth. I don't have to believe this lie. I'm going to use that piece of armor. I have the sword of the spirit. I have these things in place, and I'm going to use that. Lord, thank you for reminding me in that analogy that I have the peace of God. It's there for me. And that's how you use it, by holy living and by living dedicated to the Lord and then applying the scripture to your life and taking every thought captive. That is how you apply the armor to your life. And some of you are like, I don't know if I have the armor on, I don't know. As you live in the Lord, it's there on you, all right? So take advantage of it. Now, uh, as we look at this, we have one last weapon. Some of you are thinking, I I read in the text, you're like, wait a minute, you had the sword last week, 
how is there another weapon? Now, I'll tell you this. Um, Rick Renner, whose book, Dressed to Kill, I've used quite extensively in this series, he talks about this, that there was a problem um, with this, that there was one more piece of armor that a Roman soldier had. There was one more piece of weaponry, if you will, and it was his spear or his lance. Matter of fact, he had six of them. The average soldier would have six spears or lances. And so he's, he's looking at this, and as Rick Renner was studying this and looking at it in the original language, he's wondering, wait a minute, he says the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. And the apostle Paul was chained to the Roman soldier. He had to have known that there was another piece of weaponry available. And so as he looked at this, he came to the conclusion, and I agree with him, that the last weapon that is available to us is the weapon of prayer, that that was what Paul was looking at, and he's looking at them, and he's thinking he's got all these spears, he's got all these lances available to him, and that must represent prayer, and that's why he says we have this prayer available that we pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. It makes sense. Lots of spears, lots of lances, lots of prayers, lots of requests, and so we have this one last weapon, and it is a spear or lance of prayer and supplication. Now, I had so much fun showing you my swords last week, so I thought I'd show you a few more of the things. Remember, if I go to visit a country, if you weren't here last week, if I go to visit a country on a missions trip, I try to buy a sword. If they don't have a sword, I'll buy a weapon from that country. If you remember last week, I showed you the boomerang from Australia, you know, and so when I've been to some of the countries in Africa, they didn't have swords, but they had spears and lances, and so I was able to get these, and this is one that I got in Mozambique, and I thought it was neat. It was a little weapon. It just reminds me of my uh, missions trip that I took to Mozambique. This is one from Swaziland. I was able to buy this spear, and it reminds me of Swaziland every time I see it. Um, You're wondering, how did I get this in my suitcase? I actually had to cut it in half and then put this thing on it. It doesn't come that way, but it's the only way I could get it back, all right? So I I have those two from uh, Swaziland and Mozambique. And then I have this bad boy right here that I really enjoy. Uh, This one is from Kenya. This one actually breaks into three different pieces. They've probably figured it out that Americans want to pack it in their suitcase. They're bright. And so they've got it here. It actually breaks into three different pieces. And, and I like this spear. And it also, always reminds me uh, of the trip to Kenya that I took to work with the ministry there. But in our application today, I just have these a couple here as examples. And they're going to serve to represent different types of prayer that we have, different types of weapons that are available to us. And uh, Paul says that we have all sorts of prayer and supplication, all sorts of spears or lances, if you will, that are available to us. And I'm going to talk about different types. But before I talk about that, let me point out a couple things he says. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasion, on all occasions. And the word that is used there for occasions is a word that means a point in time. It means that there's a moment in time when the right prayer needs to be prayed. It's not talking about the length of prayer, but it's saying in your spiritual battle, there are moments that you're going to need this one, and you're going to need that type of prayer. And there are moments you're going to need that one. And then there's other times you're going to need the big daddy, and you're going to need to pray in these different ways. And there are moments that the prayer is exactly needed and should be prayed right at that moment. Now, a lot of us maybe feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit because he's saying pray in the Spirit on all occasions in every, right there in that moment. How many know what I'm talking about? You'll feel prompted like, I should really pray for this person. But then you think, but that could look kind of crazy. So I'll pray later. 
And how many know when you say, I'll pray later, many times you forget? The Apostle Paul is saying, pray on all occasions, right in that moment. That's what the word means. Right then and there, pray. Now, one of the things that my mom has done, because she's tired of people, you know, asking her to pray, and then she forgets about it. And so she said, you know what? I'm just going to start praying right now. Whenever somebody says something to me and says they have a need, I'm going to pray right then and there. And she actually came up with this. She said, I'm going to stop, drop, and pray. I'm going to stop what I'm doing, drop all the other things, and pray. Now, she doesn't mean like kneel down. Some of you are like, oh, that's really interesting. No, she means stop what we're doing, drop all the other stuff, and let's pray right now. Stop, drop, and pray. And I think that's, that's a great thing. That's exactly what this word is saying. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions at that very moment. How many know there are moments where there's just a, a flow of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, you just feel the presence of God, and in that moment, the miracle can happen right then and there. And many of us, because we don't want to look foolish, we miss the moment. We're too worried about what other people are thinking rather than that moment. And that's what it's saying. At that moment, on that occasion, pray in the Spirit. Do it. So I think as a church, we should practice this. And I'm going to give permission for this, knowing that it could open up a whole different realm, but trusting the maturity of the church. I believe that we should be practicing 60-second prayers all around our church all the time. I think that we should stop what we're doing, drop all the other things, and pray for the need at hand. I think right then and there, we should do a simple prayer. This word that is used here means the moment. It doesn't mean length. You don't have to pray for an hour. What it means is there is a moment happening. The Spirit of God is touching your heart. The presence of God is right there in a moment. Pray right then and there. So I don't care if you're out there in line waiting to get a donut at one of our services or a cookie or a drink or whatever that's going on. If you feel led of the Spirit to pray in that moment, stop what you're doing, drop it right there, and pray for the need at hand. And I think we could have 60-second prayers all over the place, and we could capture some of these moments in all occasions. Let me illustrate. Here's what I'll do with people. Sometimes people say, Pastor Rob, can we pray about this and this and this? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Hey, just give me your hand. Sometimes I'll hold their hand like a handshake. I don't lay my hands on their head and, you know, I don't do that. I just grab their hand, all right? And I hold their hand. And I'll say, Lord, we just come into great. It looks very natural in society. I mean, I can stand in a restaurant, in a community center, and I can hold their hand like a handshake and pray for them. Just a quick, Lord, I just pray for this. And I pray quick, you know, pray for that need. And we pray in Jesus' name, we come into agreement. Amen. People think we just closed a deal, and we kind of did. And so, you know, we're praying in the Spirit on all occasion in that moment. It doesn't have to be crazy. We don't have to get down on our knees. We don't have to pray half an hour. Boom, in that moment. Let's do that in this church. Let's be a church that believes in prayer in the moment, in the occasion, right then and there, and we'll do that. Now, remember, it's a 60-second prayer. It's just short, and we can do that. If I have to climb over to you to get a donut, you are praying too long, all right? So let's just make sure we know that, all right? So on all occasions, what he says, and then he says all kinds of prayers, and he says later, keep on praying. And he's saying, use everything in your arsenal. Use every type of prayer you've been given. Do it all. All kinds of prayers. Keep on praying. He's saying group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, simple prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer. Use every weapon that you've been given to defeat the enemy. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. One last thing before I get into the types of prayer. He says, with this in mind, be alert. 
And the term that he's using there is actually a military term to have a heightened sense of awareness. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be alert with a heightened sense of awareness that the weapon of prayer could be dispatched at any moment. The enemy may be attacking you, and at any moment you need to be alert to pray. This person may have a need and you have a weapon at any moment. Be alert with a heightened sense of awareness to go ahead and pray right then and there. Now, I got to say this. Ever since the Garden of Gethsemane, the church has battled being sleepy. Jesus is asking his disciples, can you pray with me? I've got, I need this. I need some prayer. And they're falling asleep. They're falling asleep. And ever since then, we've been falling asleep. We need a heightened sense of awareness that prayer is valuable, prayer is a weapon that we have, and we need to be awake and alert to pray. So with this in mind, what are, the, what are the weapons? Now, we could use all different types of prayer and different types of breakdowns. This is the way that I've broken it down with six different types of prayer or six different ways, and I chose six because that's exactly how many uh, lances or spears a Roman soldier had. If you want to break it down and have 10 or 20, that's fine by me, but I'm going to give you six here today, all right? The first type of prayer is consecration. And actually in our text in Ephesians 6, 18, that's the type of prayer that the Apostle Paul is talking about praying. He says, pray in the Spirit. The type of prayer that he's saying with all kinds of prayers is actually a consecration. It's a very popular word that is used 127 times in the New Testament. And what it means is when we pray, we're praying face to face with God. We are in his presence we are praying, that's the first part of the word for the, that he's using here. We are praying, we are face-to-face with God, we are in his presence. When you're face-to-face with God, you don't get sleepy, you pay attention, and he's saying, you are face-to-face with God. Then he says, the second part of this word means with a wish or desire or vow. And so here's what would happen. In the culture there, they would go and they'd say, I have a desire from God, I'm going to Go face to face with God. I'm going to bring my need to him. And as I bring my need to him, before I even ask in prayer for what I want, I'm going to give a gift to God and say, thank you for answering the prayer that I haven't even prayed yet. And they would bring a gift and they'd say, here's my gift, Lord. Here it is to you now. Here's my prayer. And then when the prayer was fulfilled, they'd bring another gift back to God and say, thank you, God. And, and maybe you've heard people pray this way. They say, Lord, thanking you in advance. Thanking you in advance. They just prayed the prayer. They're praying for something they need. And they say, God, thanking you in advance. I'm praying for this. I'm believing for this. And that was what was going on in this prayer. Now, another portion of this prayer of consecration is, God, I'm praying for a need to give more of myself to you. More of myself to you. And that's a type of prayer. And as you pray that prayer, you're actually defeating the enemy. My prayer card said, pray that I can resist the devil in this way. That's what this person asked me. Pray that I can resist this area. Okay? This was a prayer of consecration. They're saying, God, give me the strength and I want to serve you more. I want to follow you more. And I want to resist in this area and be more in love with you, more devoted to you. How many think that's a great way to defeat the enemy, to be more in love with the Lord? That is a great way to defeat the enemy. So that's a way that we could pray, a prayer of consecration. Another prayer is a prayer of petition. 
a prayer petition. Now, this is the realization that you have a need and that God needs to meet it. Now, I want to be very clear. This is not a prayer petition like this. Lord, give me a bigger house. That is not a prayer petition. That's a different prayer, but that's not a prayer petition, all right? Lord, I'd like a nicer car. That is not a prayer of petition, okay? That's not what we're talking about. A prayer petition is realizing that you have a need and only God can fill it. That is a prayer of petition. A prayer of petition in the Bible was when a family couldn't have a child and they would cry out before the Lord and they'd say, God, I bring this need before you. I need a child. We need a child. We ask for a miracle. We bring before you a petition because we can't solve it. There's barrenness in our family, and we need a child, God. We need a miracle. That's a prayer of petition. And so God wants us to pray in those moments where we need what only he can give us, and it's very appropriate to pray for those things. It's a tool that's been given to you to defeat the enemy. You say, God, in my own strength, I cannot defeat this temptation. This lifelong addiction has held me bound, and I am struggling, and I can't break through. God, I need your strength. I need it. If you don't help me, I am a goner. That's a prayer of petition, and God loves that. That is a a spear that you've been given in your arsenal to defeat the enemy, and God's saying, use it. Use it. And you know that. Many of you have cried out. It's a a prayer of humility saying, I can't do it in my own strength. I can't. God, I need your help. I need your help. And he's saying, use that spear. It will defeat the enemy. There's another one, a third spear, if you will, A, a spear and a prayer of authority, a prayer of faith. This is a type of prayer that's found 80 times in the Bible. And it's really John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and be granted. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a prayer of authority. And it's, it's, it's a prayer that is a demand that you can ask for because God said you can ask for it. Okay, I want to be very clear. It's like God has said, you can ask me for these things and they're in the word of God. They're there for us. And he's saying, when you ask me for them, you don't even have to ask in humility. You can ask in an authority and demand them. Now, I know that's very countercultural to Minnesota. How many know what I'm talking about? We're like, ooh, he was kind of bold in his prayer. I don't know. You know, I mean, he should have been a little more humble, you know. But there are things that you can ask for that God is very clear and he's not offended when you ask in boldness. Let me illustrate this for you. If I take my kids on a trip and they're with me, part of the deal is I feed my kids. How many know that? That's part of the deal. I feed them. That's part of my responsibility as dad. They don't feed me. I feed them. I have the checkbook, the wallet, the credit card. I'm the supplier of their needs, okay? So when they come up to me and they say, Dad, I'm hungry. We need to go get something to eat. I go, hey, 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 watch your tone there, young man. Ask with a little humility there. Get down on your knees and, you know, they just say, hey, hungry. We need to eat. We're hungry. The deal is in place. I know I take care of the, does that make sense? I take care of the, I'm not offended when they say, dad, we need something to eat. Dad, I need that. It's part of the deal and I know that it's there. So God is not offended when you ask for what he's already told you to do and you need to pray in authority. And again, I know it seems like we're bossing God, but we're not bossing him around. And if you're bossing God, that's wrong. But you can say, God, 
I ask for this. And these are the things that are covered clearly. Food, clothing, a place to live. You can say, God, you promised to take care of this. You promised to clothe the lilies of the field. We need money for clothes because we have no budget. We have nothing. We cannot find it. Lord, I'm asking in your name for clothes. Lord, I'm asking for a meal because you said you take care of it. It's okay to pray that. It's okay to pray these things. And so that's what's encapsulated there. And, I, and I, I'm just telling you, when God asks you and gives you permission to ask for it, go for it. Go for it. My grandfather kind of taught me this and didn't even know he was teaching me about prayer in this way, but he did. He used to take us to the store when we were kids, and he used to say, you guys want candy? And we'd say, yep. And he'd say, what do you want? We'd say, well, those are good. And we'd put it in there. And he'd say, what else do you want? Well, those are good. What else do you want? Those are good. And he'd say, well, how much do you want? We're like, well, we'd like more. How much do you want? And we'd say, like, well, we want a lot. He's like, Grandpa's providing. Grab a handful. And so we grab a handful. He goes, that wasn't a big enough handful. And he'd take more. What else do you want? Bit of honey? Throw those in there. You want these? Throw them in there. And I was like, and we want that. And Baker Square Pie. And hot dogs. And yeah, Grandpa, you know. And I learned, man, when he's providing, you get it. And I'm telling you what, if God has told you the things that he'll provide for you, ask for it. Ask for it. Be bold and ask. It's not wrong. All right, another type of prayer, thanksgiving prayer. Ephesians 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. A lot of us need to thank God for all the things that he's done in our life, and that's very appropriate, but I want to point something out. We want to pray. There's a type of prayer, thanksgiving here, that we pray for people when things are going good. A lot of our prayer requests are this, God, help this person. They're doing so bad. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray for this person. They're sick too. Lord, we pray for that. And that's all good. We should be doing that. And Lord, we pray for this person. They're down and out. Pray for them too. And Lord, that person, you know, terrible there. Part of our prayer is thanking God for what he's already doing that's good. The Apostle Paul says, I've heard how good you guys are doing. You guys are doing great. And ever since I've heard that, I have not stopped giving thanks and praying for you guys. And you know what he's praying? He's saying, God, Thank you for the success that they're having. Thank you for the way that they're penetrating the kingdom of darkness and making a difference. God, thank you for the way you're blessing them. God, thank you. So we should be praying for people when they're doing good and for those that are not doing good. And when they're doing good, let's thank God that they're doing good and let's give God the glory and the honor that they're doing good. It's okay to do that. We can thank God that Kingdom Builders is growing and having that impact and doing those things around the world. We can thank God for that and say, God, thank you for that. And how many know sometimes when you thank people for the good they're doing, they do even more good. We can thank God for the good that he's doing. Another type of prayer, another spear in our hand, if you will, is supplication. Now, this is another one that I think as, as Minnesotans, we just fail on. We just fail miserably on this one. Supplication has to do with the zeal and the passion and the hunger to which we pray. There's something about the way that God enjoys it when we pray with passion and zeal. There are times to be reflective and quiet and, and just sit there still in his presence. But there are times when you have desperate need and you need to shout out to God. You need to have a hunger in your life. You need to have a zeal and a passion, and it's okay to pray that way. And again, I don't think we do very well with this because culturally, it's not in our makeup. It needs to be because it's part of the way that people prayed in the Bible. It's a spear that's in our hand to defeat the enemy. There's something about it that defeats the enemy, and we've got to use this spear. When I was in India, 
They've got this one. Trust me, they use this one. I mean, these mild-mannered people, you know, you can barely hear them, you know, and they're talking. And when you ask them a question, they're, mm-hmm, they're doing a little head bow thing, and they're quiet. Also, when the pastor says, let's pray, they're like, in Jesus' name, we pray. I mean, it's like a tornado. Just hurricane goes off in the church. The whole community can hear it. And almost then, when they wrap up the prayer, it's like, you know, then they're like, back to Okay? They got it, all right? They got it figured out. There's something about that, though. You may say, well, those people, they're just emotional and all that. There's something about it. There's something about it. I don't have time to go into all these things, but I'm telling you what, there's a posture to a prayer of supplication. Elijah fell on his face before God, his head between his knees, seeking God. There was an earnestness and a zeal to his prayer. There are lifted voices that it talks about Jesus that he just prayed with a strength and he cried out to God, God, if there's any way that this cup could pass. Lord, there was a passion to his prayer. It wasn't just sedate. There was something that was real. There was an emotional attachment to this. Hannah, when she prayed in in 1 Samuel, she prayed for a baby. She didn't just pray. She wept before God, and she cried out before God, and God heard that prayer and answered the prayer. There's something about this that moves God's heart when there's emotion attached to our prayer, and it's not just emotionalism. There's something to it when we get into it. In John 11, 33, the Bible talks about this, that Jesus' friend Lazarus had died. And when he heard this, the Bible says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He groaned. There was something like a groaning that's going on because there's a a passion that's going on. The apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians, he's like, I want Christ to be formed in you and I'm groaning like a woman in labor. And I have been there when my wife has given birth to our two boys and there were groanings that were going on and there was something that was going on where new birth was taking place. And the apostle Paul saying, there's a groaning in my prayer for you that Christ would be formed in you. There's something about a zealousness and a passion in our prayer. And so many of our prayers are passionless. There's no passion. There's no zeal. There's no hunger. Let's stoke it up a little. We've got a long way to go until we're too fanatical. And if we get there, I'll ramp us down. But we've got a long way to go. There's an inner determination to this type of prayer that God loves. And I'll give you a thing. It's a thing called push. Pray until something happens. There's just an inner determination that I'm not quitting. I'm going to pray until something happens. That's a a, a determination that is there. And then there's just desperate language. When you look at the Psalms, you'll see the psalmist. He's just crying out, God, save me, save me, save me. That is there in prayer. Last spear that's available, and I want to grab this big spear, this lance that's available for us. It's intercession. And I believe it's the long spear The soldiers had one spear that they would throw a long distance to fight for something that was long way off. It wasn't even affecting them yet. It was way off in the distance. When I intercede for you and I intercede for you and we intercede for each other, that is like the long spear that's part of our spiritual arsenal. It is there for us to throw into the battle from a long distance away. We're not even in harm's way, but we are throwing the spear of intercession. We are praying for someone else's needs. Intercession means that I've heard of your need. I'm moved with it, and I'm bringing it before the Heavenly Father on your behalf, and we can do that. And as a church, we do that every week. 
Our pastors pray for a missionary, an elder, a deacon, a staff member. We pray for um, a political leader. We pray for a religious leader. We pray for at least one other church. We pray for our upcoming events. And we pray for 20 families in our church by name. Every week we intercede. We throw the long spear into your battle. And you need to use it because it's part of your arsenal. These are things in all occasions, at all time, we're praying because we've been given these spears, we've been given these weapons, now let's use them. Let's not go and fight the battle without the weapon of prayer. We've been given this spear, we've been given the lance, and I pray that we'll use every single weapon we have so we can defeat the enemy.